What do you do if a winter storm leaves you under three feet of snow? You pull out the toboggan, bundle up, and celebrate the joy of winter. If you're a new Belgian brewer, you decide there's no better place to weather a storm than a brewery, and you start experimenting. Hmm, what about this dark caramel-roasted midnight wheat? Shovel it in. A blizzard of hops? Why not? We present our new winter seasonal, Snow Day Winter Ale. New Belgian Brewing. Follow your folly. Ours is beer. With additional support from Kuat Racks and Patagonia. This is The Shorts, and you're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries. When you're a farmer, life in the mountains is hard. The steep hills rolling down lush slopes to narrow river valleys are not something to be celebrated. It's beautiful here, you say, meaning it. I wish it was flatter, they say, also meaning it. They plow the steep slopes with bulls, dress in traditional clothing, live in adobe homes and eat boiled corn three meals a day, every day. They are, as far as they are concerned, very normal. Everyone they know is also a poor farmer, barely scraping out a life on a mountaintop. We, the white people that come to visit, seem exotic. The aesthetic beauty that we see might not have the same charm when it's an impediment to survival. Pumas, Indian foxes, tigrillos, and spectacled bears are nuisance animals that threaten livestock and crops. The fewer the better. And why should they worry about them? There are plenty in the forest out there. And there's a lot of forest too. Just look over there. Can't you see it? In 2010, I spent six months in the southern Andes of Ecuador working for an environmental NGO called Round River Conservation Studies. We worked in and around Sangai National Park at the interface between the cloud forest and the unique high-altitude grassland called Paramo. The Paramo is a unique plateau of rolling hills and grasses, where even the drainages are often devoid of trees and shrubs. The view looks straight out of a painting, so much so that my co-leader named a nearby mountain Georgia O'Keeffe As you move east towards the Amazon basin, the Andean plateau abruptly ends and thickly forested valleys descend from the crest of the plateau into the Amazon basin. The valleys are steep and deep with temperate cloud forests gradually giving way to low elevation rainforests. It's not the mountainous vistas of Alaska or the Karakoram, but give it a moment and it will take your breath away. Round River is an environmental NGO that teams up with local environmental groups to take on conservation issues around the globe. I co-led the student program for two semesters. We worked with two local partners, the Fundacion Cordillera Tropical, or FCT, and alpaca rancher Stu White. Stu is an American who has lived in Ecuador for over 30 years. He sells top-quality alpaca wool products to international markets with the distinction of wildlife-friendly, meaning his ranch must coexist peacefully with the area's animals, like pumas and Andean bears. Much of his land is designated as a wildlife reserve, and he founded FCT, though he no longer runs it. We're working with FCT to convince the community that they should conserve their forest and its wildlife. But you also have to convince them that it's worth the effort. This is a surprisingly subtle thing. How do you convince someone who has never been anywhere else that their home is something unique and special in the world?
During the program, we did short homestays. I stayed with a family that had 11 people, including grandkids and a daughter-in-law. My host dad, Don Manuel, has 12 kids total and looks to be in his 50s, but it's hard to tell. He has diabetes, which has damaged his legs and prevents him from walking very far, though he is still a strong, fit man. They used to live in a small shack built from adobe and wood until a couple of his older children went to work in the U.S. Now they live in a large, concrete house built with money sent home. That's pretty common in this part of Ecuador. I helped Don Manuel build a shepherd shack in a pasture in the mountains above his house. Getting used to the unique rural way of speaking took some time, so our communication was a bit challenged. Still, we chatted through the day, and I was able to understand most of what Manuel said. We nailed on rafters, then cut bamboo and tied the stalks horizontally to give support to the grass roof. While we tied on the bamboo with vine, Manuel said something I hope I never forget. You know, he thought out loud, when I was young, we were, well, we were rather poor. We used to have to use this vine to build the entire house. We didn't have the things we have now. Now we have nails. Let's be clear about something. I'm not into trite epiphanic moments and bullshit sound bites. I've known people who claim to have life-changing experiences every 15 or so minutes, and I'm not one of them. But this made an impression on me. He was serious. He may have even been strutting a little. Colipato isn't big, just a few hundred people. Downtown is a dirt parking lot with three stores facing it. On Sundays, the parking lot hosts the town's weekly social event, an often muddy soccer game. Sometimes the game has to stop when the milk truck or bus drives through, though almost no one in Colipato has a car. During one rainy soccer game, I took my laptop into one of the wooden plank stores to show my Ecuadorian friends photos from the research camera traps. Don Jose and others rattled off local names of the animals as the photos flashed onto the screen. Cuchuchu, Chulpo, Venado, no, Venado es otro, este es Shibri, Pobre Monte, Yamala. Have you eaten this? I asked Don Jose, pointing at a picture of a mountain paca. He's eaten everything, says one of the others, making everyone laugh. I flipped through the photos to my favorites, the tigrillo and the puma. Grandoteas, they observed of the puma. As I finished the impromptu slideshow, someone commented on my computer, saying, This is one of the new kinds, isn't it? No, no, it's old, I replied. It's already four years old. But, the person protested, weren't the older ones much bigger, with the monitor SC, using his hands to indicate one of the older tube-style monitors? Oh, I replied, realizing my arrogant stupidity. Yes, those came before this kind. Even after spending months in Ecuador, I still forgot that wealth is relative. Even with my old laptop, I was wealthy. I traveled to Colipato intent on helping to preserve the biodiversity of the Andes. But eventually, petty things frustrated me. Program politics, clashing personalities, and the feeling that we could be doing more. But I had found a mentor in Stu, and, one morning over coffee, 
I vented my frustrations to him. In his smiling way, Stu let me in on the real conservation benefits of us coming year after year. The fact that Round River chooses Colipato is more important than any other thing we do. When we run off into the woods, excited about the ticadillos and the mountain pacas, the locals take notice. Their forest is worth protecting. So, in a way, we accomplish our goal of education by the simple act of trying. I didn't imagine that the locals regarded our presence as anything more than an oddity. But with our money and our lily-white skin, we seem very important here. I don't think of myself as rich, naturally, but in terms of where I can go, the world really is my oyster. Not admitting that would be unappreciative of it. I've likely seen more of Ecuador than these same Ecuadorians ever will. Though our importance might be overstated, our privilege cannot be. And maybe their assessment of our privilege is more reliable than our own. But I didn't feel different from them. Not until Manuel described what an enormous privilege it was to have nails. I was forced to admit how charmed my Silver Spoon existence really is before I could appreciate our influence on the community. I can't say that we succeeded in showing the local farmers that their slice of the Andes is one of the world's special places. We made an impression, but conservation is a process, and success is a continuum, not a discrete event. I had a tiny part in a small but vigorous effort to conserve a little slice of Ecuador, itself a small country. Though much work remains to be done to protect Sangai's forest, Round River's program there has been shuttered. FCT and Stu remain. Colipato is probably no different from my passing through, probably only a little more from the cumulative years of Round River's work. And the longer I'm back in the States, surrounded by people with way nicer cars than me, the more my sense of perspective, once burning with the sharp focus of a capricious new worldview, slips to the back of my mind. I keep meaning to send a postcard to Don Manuel and his family, but I haven't yet. They recently got satellite phone service in Colipato, but I know my Spanish is not up to a phone conversation. It's unlikely that I'll be back to Colipato anytime soon. I just hope that sometime, when I'm bitching about my lot in life, I remember to stop, take stock, and say, at least I've got nails. My name is Seth Adams, and this is my short. Seth's making the most of the remaining daylight up in Alaska. If you want to find out more info about Stu's Alpaca Ranch or Round River, find the links on our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. Music today by Todos Juntos, Sound of 73, and Suzanne Baca. You can download the links for free from our website, The Diaries would not be possible without New Belgium Brewing, who encourages you to go follow your folly. They are celebrating their Snow Day Winter Ale with giveable glassware. So if you're looking for the perfect gift for your lovable hophead, visit newbelgium.com for more information. Support of the show comes from Kuat Racks, makers of a better bike rack. Their Vagabond X roof basket holds two bikes and all the gear you need for your next trip. Check out their latest at kuatracks.com. 
And as always, a big thanks to the good people at Patagonia. I'm Fitz Cahal, that was Seth Adams, and you've been listening to The Dirtbag Diaries.